Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 105 at Evident. Bob Starr for joining you. This is the second hour of Oilers Now, NHL Draft. The Oilers with a second, a sixth, and a seventh. I would even contemplate flipping the second for next year's second to add some draft capital for Edmonton. Uh, momentarily, we'll head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. We'll tell you Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino for Wow Factor desserts. Help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new retail location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton or online at wildfactordesserts.com We welcome back to the show. It's funny, uh, I, I did I guess I went to 11 straight drafts in a row. Uh, and our next guest did the NHL Network's uh, Day 2, which is the heavier, more labor-intensive days. Uh, he did Day 1 as well, but he was like the point guy in Day 2 for a number of years. We welcome back to the show the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the former uh, agent that started Octagon's player agency and a guest of this show over the last uh, three and a half uh, months, uh, Brian Lawton from the, uh, used to be at the NHL Network. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, and uh, somebody asked me this morning uh, about the draft, and it's a great event. I always love being there. Participated as a player, an agent, and a GM, as well as in the media, so have a lot of experiences with it, yes. Uh, well, you do. You were the number one pick in the 1983 draft. Did you know you were going number one that year? No, I didn't, but I figured I would go in the top three for sure. Was that draft in Montreal? It was. It was uh, always in Montreal, always in Montreal back then, eventually changed not that long after, two or three years after that, it actually started to change around 86, 87. So what do you remember about about the 83 draft, Brian? I remember how packed it was, and having covered the draft, you know, I've probably been to 20-plus drafts, more than that in my career, and... Uh, you know, in certain cities, it's completely packed, and in others, there were years where it wasn't. Uh, but from what I'm told, Nashville is going to be jammed tonight, and I just think they're doing a better job of advertising it when it goes to a city. It used to be more of a convention, and now it, it is a convention in terms of for the industry to bring everybody together. But now it's a real event in the cities, and the NHL has just done a really great job of blowing it up, that's for sure. Well, what I remember about the 83 draft is going into that draft year, and I was in between grade 11 and grade 12, but in the hockey news, I thought all the talk was on Pat LaFontaine. He put up like 230 points playing for Verdun, which, is, as everybody knows, is a suburb in Quebec. Um, and But you ended up going number one. So, uh, first of all, who was, your, who was your agent at that time, Brian? Wow, who's a great guy, right? Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Back then, it was different. There wasn't a lot of vision. I went through that process of trying to select an agent. All I remember telling my parents is, can we just get somebody that has enough clients 
that at least knows what's going on with their clients. Gus did have a lot of clients, including, you know, some of the biggest names in the game, like Wayne Gretzky, uh, Mike Gardner, uh, had Stevie Eiserman in that draft as well. So uh, that was really the analysis for me in choosing an agent back then. So, so I want to circle back to this. So did you know an hour before the draft you were going number one? No, I had no idea. So were you, when they called your name, were you a little surprised? I can't say I was overly surprised. I just had no idea. I wasn't even going to the draft. I lived in Rhode Island. I was graduating from high school. I was still 17. Uh, you know, somebody called like maybe 10 days before and said, you know, your son really should go to the draft. That's what my parents told me. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm trying to graduate high school too, though. Yeah, uh, But I did end up going, and I was happy I ended up going, and that was the right thing to do. But it was different back then. Like, Pat LaFontaine was, had a great year in Verdun. I had a chance to go up there and play with him, but I finished high school. Pat had a chance to come and play with me in Europe in the World Juniors, but he opted not to. And then Pat had a chance to play with me in the tryouts for the U.S. Olympic team, and he opted not to. Pat ended up playing in the Olympics. I went to the tryouts and didn't play in the Olympics, but I had heard so much about Pat and him and I just never played against each other. I played against Stevie when I was younger, Eiserman and the PN, so I knew how great he was. Right. Uh, but it was different. There wasn't a lot of information. Uh, you know, if you're, a, I always say this, I've said it on your show, if you're a second round pick today, you get 10 times more attention than any of us did back then. That's just due to the internet and media and things like that. I used to read about Wayne Gretzky literally how he did in a hockey game a day and a half later in the USA Today. Well, that's how you got the box scores. I mean, there wasn't one guy in the top 16 of the draft that played less than 300 games in the NHL. So, they pretty much hit on everybody that year. I mean, you, you know, you obviously LaFontaine and Eiserman had spectacular careers. Norm Lacombe, who played for the Oilers, he played the fewest amount of games. He played 319, and he won a Stanley Cup at Edmonton in 1990, so it worked out for him as well. So it's, it's just crazy because you can imagine Connor Bedard going first day. I mean, he is the biggest, you know, I guess the, the first generational guy probably since Connor McDavid. And I got to tell you, Brian, I have complete confidence and faith. I think he scores 35 goals next year based on what I saw him do this year in in, uh, Regina. Like he can, and I saw him both times he was in Edmonton. I mean, he can change release point. He's got an unbelievable shot for a kid that age. You take a look at how how he dominated ahead of his age group in the U18s and then obviously in the World Juniors. Um, I think Chicago's damn lucky. They got an incredible impact player that's stepping into the lineup. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, it's funny as you get close to the draft and you get to know these kids and you see them more, even more than normal, uh, you start to feel better about it. Why has my opinion even risen on how he'll do next year? Well, some of the moves that Chicago's made I think will really benefit him. I'm not ready to say their season is necessarily going to blow the lights out as a team, but I do think he's going to have a tremendous amount of success right away. Uh, when you see him, he's just a little bit, he's not a big player. And maybe this year is the one year when everything is kind of caught up with skill being at a top, top priority for teams. We may see as many as six, maybe eight forwards in the first round that are essentially five, ten or under. Connor Bedard being one of those kids. Michkov, Benson, lots of big names out there. Kristal, Perron. 
uh, Brindley at the University of Minnesota, Michigan. So it's going to be an interesting draft. But Connor Bedard, for me, is the most certain player in the draft, and I feel very comfortable that he will score. I wouldn't quite say 70 points, but next year he'll get 60 points, and that's an amazing regular season, if you ask me. Brian Lawton for our friends at Well Factor Desserts. Help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new retail location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton, or click at wildfactordesserts.com. Brian, I want to talk about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois getting traded. Uh, what's your assessment of that deal that the LA Kings made? I really thought Winnipeg did a nice job when you analyze it. Depends how you feel about Gabe Velarde. I love him. Compared to some to some degree, yes. I mean, he's you know Gabe's had a past injury history, so it was a little bit. It felt like a long road to get him up to speed, but in the end, he's turned out to be a really good hockey player that's got a lot of great years in front of him. Pierre Luc Dubois, you know, on the other hand. Uh, I just think he's a big guy that can skate a prototypical number two center. Uh, He's going to be really valuable for them, but I I felt like Winnipeg did a good job to get some real value out of a player that made it known he wasn't going to come back. So, you know, all in all, I would probably give Winnipeg more marks than I thought, and yet L.A. felt like they had a specific need. They are flush with younger players and prospects. Uh, I'm sure it'll work out for them as well. So, Brian, uh, you know, I look at that a little bit differently, okay? Uh, Octagon has a presence in Los Angeles. And Leon Dreisaitl played with Andre Kopitar on the World uh, Cup of Hockey team back in, God, it was that long ago, 2016. Um, some people thought, you know, geez, maybe Leon to L.A. made a lot of sense. Did that probability – and look, the Oilers are going to – Edmonton's trajectory as an organization here, if they win a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years, and they got a cup pretty good team there right there this year with Vegas. You know, they lost a year ago to Colorado. I, I wondered, like, does Dubois going to L.A., does that decrease the probability that L.A. makes? Because you know how agencies talk to, well, you know, this guy might be available in a couple of years. Am I on to anything? Do you think it decreases the probability that Leon would theoretically uh, see L.A. as, or Leon's camp might see L.A. as an option? What do you think? Uh, it's definitely a consideration. There's no doubt about that, but... You know, when you really analyze it with Kopitar coming to the end of his deal, which was a great contract for him, and he certainly continues to play well for L.A., you have to think he'll step down a few notches. I believe he'll continue to play. Uh, But at the same time, when you're on the other side of that equation and you're looking around and you got guys like Austin Matthews coming up and obviously Leon, eventually Connor, if they're not re-signed, of course, Connor and Leon are not available or or open to be re-signed right now, nor is Austin Matthews. But that day is coming soon in terms of Austin Matthews, at least. And the reality is, is that when you're on the other side, you kind of hope, but you really don't think deep down that the clubs won't be able to re-sign their players. They're so pivotal. They're so good, especially the star players. It would be like thinking that somebody thought that Alex Ovechkin, before he signed his latest deal, was going to become available. So it's always talked about, but it never gets as much concern or as much attention as it should from the team that's thinking about it. So in L.A.'s case, they went out, they got some certainty with Pierre-Luc Dubois, They've got Kopitar dropping down. They'll still be on the hunt for, you know, maybe that prototypical number one center, which Dreisaitl, of course, would be. 
but they've also got Quentin Byfield. Yes. He's in the very early stages of his career. So it's a lot to unpack with that one. But uh, rest assured, those things are talked about all the time. Some of them seriously, uh, but generally always tempered just a bit because you believe players are going to stay with their clubs. Well, at the end of the day, there's one place that Connor and Leon can play together, and that's in Edmonton. That's right. Right? That's in Edmonton. Yeah. And so here's, here's a question for you. Now, I... I think the Oilers might be quiet. They weren't quiet the last two years in free agency. They got Hyman two years ago. Last year, they ended up getting Evander Kane to re-sign at a relatively team-friendly rate. And they they went out and signed Jack Campbell. Didn't work in the first-year deal. Doesn't mean it's not going to get better for Jack in year two. Um, they all, Ken Holland also got outside his comfort level, and he got... Uh, you know, Matthias Eckholm and Nick Bukestad. And Eckholm was a big add on defense with term left in the deal. I think the Oilers might be a little quiet this year in free agency, and they might be kind of looking at players to fill out the bottom six. They've got the two goalies. they got seven defensemen back that played last year. Is that okay if the Oilers are a little quieter in free agency and then looking to accrue during the year to potentially add a player when they have a little bit better idea of maybe what they might have with a guy like Broberg or Holloway? I just think it's okay for them to do that. You just have to be, to me right now, I'd be hunting hard. There's been a lot of players that have popped loose, and the teams that are in position to jump on them have jumped on them. I mean, Ross Colton was a bit of a surprise. Not totally in that Tampa, you know, who's getting just decimated by a tight cap. Um, Not totally that they had to move him, but there's a little bit of surprise that Colorado jumped right in on that. Uh, and that's a great pickup for them. Just call it what it is. Ross Colton's a really, really serviceable player. They're not going to have the services of Landeskog, it looks like, next year. They've already made a move with Ryan Johansson. you just got to be hunting hard. You don't get to wait on your timeline. I think Edmonton is doing that now. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. There's nothing you can do about it. What does it mean if it doesn't work out? Well, it means that a veteran general manager like Ken Holland didn't see anything that he was – that he felt was worth making a move for now. I'd be shocked if we don't see the moves by next year by the trade deadline. Yes. They're in they're in that window right now where they know it. They realize where they're at. They recognize it. They recognize, in my opinion, that they need to improve their D, and I think that'll get done. But it doesn't have to get done now. You would just love to take care of business if the opportunity presents itself now. All right, speaking of business, uh, two players, Matthias Janmark and Nick Bugstad, and the Oilers, Ken Holland said, look, we've talked to the agents for these guys. Is it possible that those players go out and I don't know who Janmark's agent is, uh, but certainly we, you know Ben Hankinson well. He worked uh, with Octagon and is with Octagon right now. Is it possible that the Oilers sit there and they've, they've got a number in mind for both Yanmark and Bukestad? I don't know if those guys can do better than that in the first couple of days of free agency. They do. And conversely, if they don't, maybe there's a way that the Oilers can get uh, both those guys back. What do you think? I think that the way the club would look at it is that we would love to have these guys back, but it has to be on our number. And even though the money may not be as much as people would say, well, why wouldn't you stretch for that? It all matters for how those players are slotted slotted in. You need to have really good players in those slots, but you can't go out and be off by even three, 400,000 a year now. 
is incredibly penal. And that's where teams are operating. I have no, I, no doubt that that's how Edmonton is operating. And I have no doubt that both those players are taking a hard look. Their agents are doing as much due diligence as they can, trying to figure out where is that sweet spot. For a guy like Nick Bugstad, it's been out there on the street that the number is $2 million or north of that. If I were the Edmonton Oilers, I would not do that. And I am very good friends with Nick Bugstad. I know him very well in his family. He's a tremendous kid. I think that's just outside, enough outside of his range where it would be a hard no for me. But there is a number I'm certain that Edmonton would have in mind, and in my opinion, it's south of $1.5 million. And if they can hit that number, I think they'll end up back with the club. If they can't, then the next part of that process is he goes to UFA, he goes to free agency, he sees what he can get, and if he can't get it, you want to be ready, willing, and able within a very short time frame to take that player back. And if he comes back, you do it. And if he doesn't, you're going to look at the market yourself, and if you find someone else you feel good about, you move on them. That's yeah. how the game's played. That's the way it'll happen, in my opinion. Um Unless Edmonton wants to go to that $2 million range, I don't see how they'd sign them. And maybe they do. I've never asked them. I'm just telling you my views. All right. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about another player, Connor Brown, uh, because we're going to see some bonus-laden contracts. Uh, I'm led to believe that there's a fair amount of interest in Connor Brown out there. If you were representing him, would you sign him to a three-year deal at $3 million, maybe on not quite as good a team? Or would you take the risk in Edmonton, where Connor Brown's played with Connor McDavid in the past and junior, put up a, I think he led the Ontario League in scoring the one year at 128 points, and try to hit the home run at Edmonton on a bonus-laden contract? What's, I mean, sort of wrap your head around that. What would be, you know, what would be your advice as a guy who is a former agent? This is the toughest part of being an agent, and I felt like I used to make this call for a lot of players. The conversation is easy. You can dump it on the player and say, what do you want to do? Do you want to bet on yourself or do you want to take the safe money? And when you say that to a player, you're not doing it to trick him. You're just doing it for a couple of different reasons. Number one is to get him to analyze his age, how his career is going, how much money he's trying to make throughout this, the business aspect of it. Uh, you can challenge a player that way that you know, you know has the gumption to say, I'm going to prove it. You can shut a player down that way that you know will completely freak out if he has to prove it again. So it all comes down to your clients. You got to know him. Connor Brown in his past history, if I were him looking at him from a distance, and I don't know him, but I'll imagine by some of the clues that I have about him that I do, I would totally try to convince him to bet on himself. But I think he's a good player. I thought all my players were good players, and I'll say this as diplomatically as I can. But I didn't think they all should bet on themselves because of some of their personality traits and things like that. And that part is key. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him bet on himself. I wouldn't be surprised if someone actually offered him three times three and someone offered him virtually half plus bonuses for him to take the half plus bonuses. Yeah, great stuff. Brian, love it. Uh, which team do you think is going to be more? We're hearing rumors at Nashville. And Nashville, I mean, they've already made big moves. Uh, they've treated uh, Matias Ekholm. They've traded Ryan Johansson. Uh, Colorado's completely changed out their center position. They had, you know, Newhook and Confer in there last year, and now they got Johansson and 
pretty good addition from Tampa Bay that we already discussed. We're here in Nashville, might not be done. Who could you see? Philadelphia's been talking. You know uh, St. Louis is and everything, the Maple Leafs. Which team do you think makes the biggest splash tonight? I think Nashville does. I think there's a ton of pressure for them to move up. I wouldn't be surprised if they've already got that done, but it wouldn't be announced till tonight. Okay. That would be the most dramatic effect. I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville continued to look internally at every player over essentially 27, 28 years old on their roster. And what does that mean exactly? It means UC Saros, in theory, wow. would be a guy of interest. It means my number one priority, if I were a team like the Oilers, I would want to know what they think and are planning to do with Ryan McDonough. We're going to circle back to, and you think now, would he play here? That is where you have to have some inroads, number one, with the agent. I don't think that anyone could make that deal without talking to him to make sure yeah. that he'll play there. He does, he does only have a no-trade clause, so there is some flexibility there. But you want what, him what's he at? Is he at like 6.4 million? 6.7. Oh. 6.75, I believe. Wow. He's got three full years left. Uh, there's a narrative there that would make sense for, for anybody that's a team similar to Edmonton that's competing for a cup. I would think he would be high on their list. Wow. All right. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for your time, Brian. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. We'll step out for 90 seconds. It's 126 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, 127 in Edmonton. Speaking of contract equipment limited, they will have your free agent frenzy Saturday from noon and or from 10 until noon in the morning, the opening day of free agency. It'll be myself, uh, Reed Wilkins, Cam Moon, Jack Michaels will have a contribution, John Shannon as well. Uh, and uh, we'll see how active the Oilers are. They might be nipping a bit at the heels in terms of uh, being a team in an organization that's looking to make uh, something smaller, maybe a base bonus deal for a player out there. Time will tell in that regard. Again, that's going to go our contract, Equipment Limited, Free Agent Frenzy. It'll take place Saturday from 10 until noon. Uncle Milt from Brent Ridge Fords has advertising with Oilers Now Works. This phone's been ringing, but they're still in need of quality used vehicles. They're prepared to pay top dollar for trade-ins or outright purchases. Remember, there's a reason Brent Ridge Ford is a 12-time Presence Award winner for customer satisfaction. If you want fair treatment during every aspect of your vehicle purchase and ownership reach out to uncle milt rich johnny and the team at brent ridge ford 780-352-6048 brock otten is coming up from mckean's they've got their draft publication that's available via online and we'll get his thoughts as we head into the nhl entry draft tonight off to a global news weather traffic update with randy kilburn